Welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society, and vice versa. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, my name is Kevin, and join me by uh, way of Zoom call is my uh, my GBF, my giant best friend, Sean, uh, in Indiana. Hello, everyone. And we are uh, we are missing one of our uh, one of our troop today. James wasn't able to join us. Before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, and follow us on social media at Caption Life on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also find out more info and past episodes at podpage.com slash the caption life. We are joined this evening by Dr. Sheena Howard. Dr. Howard is an award-winning filmmaker and scholar. In 2014, she became the first black woman to win an Eisner Award for her book, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation. She is also the author of several critically acclaimed books and comic books of on a range of topics, including the Encyclopedia of Black Comics. She does all of this in addition to being an associate professor of communication at Ryder University. And tonight she is here to discuss with us her new book, Why Wakanda Matters, What Black Panther Reveals About Psychology, Identity, and Communication. Welcome to the show, Dr. Howard. Thank you. And I'm now a professor, but you didn't know that because I just got the official notice in the mail today. That's that's dope. Oh, that is great. I'm going to email Amazon because that's where I got most of that information. Uh, No, literally, I just got the notice Congratulations. We can (laughs) celebrate today. I'm celebrating with you guys. Thank you. That is awesome. Yeah, I, I work in higher ed, so I know how how great that is. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely rough and everything. Yeah, so it's it's definitely an accomplishment. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so we want to start off by asking you a little bit about your um, your background in comics, and want to ask you how did you get interested in comics to begin with, and how did that influence um, who you are today? So I got interested in comics actually in graduate school when I was doing my PhD. Um, So I guess around 21, 22, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little later, like 23. So Mm -hmm. PhD, yeah, like 23. So just like, just like three or four years ago for you, right? Yeah, of course. Of (laughs) course. Uh, (laughs) um, I was reading the Boondocks comic strip uh, by Aaron Ruder. And I was at Howard university, uh, doing my dissertation on um you know I had to pick a topic for my dissertation and I did I was young doing my PhD so I was like okay what am I into now and it just so happened that I was into the Boondocks comic strip I have a master's in graphic design and so just studying comics allowed me to kind of put all of the stuff I was doing together to study like the rhetorical elements of the comic strip as well as the visual elements of the comic strip and that was my entry point into the world of comics. Awesome. That's great. Um, so your new book, uh, Why Wakanda Matters, is a, is a deep dive into the psychology as well as the social and cultural impact of the film Black Panther. And it seems like a lot of the, the essays that are in this book were kind of spawned out of conversations and observations from the film. And we, were just, we just want to get you to kind of explain how the project came together. Yeah, so I really, you know, after the movie came out, after the Black Panther film came out, obviously it was a big hit. I was really uh, interested in just why it, the the reaction to it, like celebrities buying out movie theaters and just sending kids to movie mm-hmm. theaters. Like I thought it was it was just so different than anything I had ever seen before. 
Um, I know there was a lot of kind of pent up demand for Black Panther to be, you know, on film in the theaters. But I wanted to get to like kind of the bottom of what this cultural phenomenon that was happening was. And I wanted to have a conversation specifically around the psychology of it. You know, what, what's, the, what's the psychological components of the film Black Panther and why people are reacting the way they were, not both before they even saw the movie and then after, um, you know, they left the theaters. Um, and I, I did a research study with young people on um, kind of what they were taking away from the movie. And the overwhelming theme was that people were seeing it over and over and over and over again. Um, but then also based on just my research on audience analysis, um, I knew that, you know, black people watching the movie were taking something different away than white people were taking from watching the movie. And so I'm interested in, in the psychology and the communication um, around all of that and then how it connects to identity. So that's how this book, um, the full title is Why Wakanda Matters, What Black Panther Reveals About Psychology, Identity and Communication. And so that's kind of how it all came together and you know I, I put the you know, I, I I specifically reached out to a few of the contributors saying hey I would love for you to be a part of this project um, and then I put a call out and some limited outlets for the rest of the contributors and I kind of picked the essays um, based on the themes I had created for the book and and sent a pitch into the publisher and they loved it and now it's here <laughs> right that's awesome yeah you know and I gotta say um I remember when, when Black Panther came out, um, you know, I, I knew um, I, I got to say there's a difference between like knowing the kind of impact it had on um, on the black community and realizing it. And I for me, I realized it just like what you said, when you, when I saw all the reactions of all the uh, you know inner city school kids uh, where you saw all the videos of like everyone getting so excited about watching Black Panther and everything like that. I think for me, it was just like I was blown away because. Like seeing that, it just takes a whole different take on that as opposed to like, you know, kind of hearing about it and everything like that as well, too. So I know like for me, like it really moved me to see, you know, how excited people were about, you know, seeing a superhero that looked like them. Right. right. And so I think it was really powerful. So um, and actually, you know, I, I had a question here, but um, as we we're talking about this, I actually realized that um, there was something that I wanted to kind of share and, and probably have a discussion here as well, too, is that in, in the I think in the first or second chapter, um, there was a discussion about um, how Wakanda is kind of seen as, um, you know, an African uh, nation that wasn't um, invaded by colonialism. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I read that uh, part of the essay, I thought it was really powerful because I started thinking about like how Wakanda um, is representative with that in mind in yeah. terms of, you know, not being affected by outsider um, right. or outside colonialism. And I thought what was really cool when I was thinking about that is that, um, you know, Wakanda is this African nation that has, you know, um, great advanced technology, but it also has a lot of the um, it, it's kind of like a, a synthesis with like traditional African tribal like traditions and um, customs and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really interesting because I know, um, you know, the River Tribe in the movie, um, the leader of the River Tribe had a lip plate in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, reading that part of the essay and thinking about that part, I was like, you know, it's actually really powerful because I think, you know, um, a lot of people when they see um you know, people in African tribes and have some of those customs, they, 
they see that more as almost like primitive mm-hmm. in a sense. But I thought what was really neat in, in reading about, um, you know, looking at Wakanda that way is that, you know, that's actually something that is not primitive, but it's like, you know, a way of life that um, is part of the culture and part of the identity and is very powerful. And I thought like looking at it from that lens was actually a great way to um, be able to kind of show how, you know, this is not, um, you know, primitive, uh, you know, tribes or anything like that, but this is a way of life that should still be respected and honored and right. not kind of seen as less than type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there's one chapter that actually talks about all of the rituals in black Panther and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, what they mean and their significance. Um, and the, the first part of your, uh, comment is important too, because, a lot of what, you know, the, the conversations that I had with people in my community about the movie is like thinking about the past through the lens of uh, the film Black Panther, you know, the what ifs, like what if there was an African nation never touched by colonialism and white supremacy? Mm-hmm. And what would that mean? What would that mean for the continent? What would that mean for individual places? Um, and so it's, it's just kind of not only was the movie a form of escapism, but it also was a way to kind of rethink the past and reimagine the mm-hmm. future. Um because even though even though the movie is fiction, um, it's still commented on a lot of uh, political, geopolitical, and historical issues that are very real to us. It does. It mm-hmm. does very much come off as a um, like what what might have been like a, a scenario, like you know, um, a, a culture, um, a, a state, or a country in Africa being allowed to progress with the rest of the world without the entanglements that come with like outside uh, interruption. And then, and of course on uh, regrettably, like what, what has happened as, as a result of it. So. Right. Right. Um, were you a fan of the, the black Panther or like comics or anything, or had you, had you got into that before the, the film at all? Yeah. I had started reading more deeply into the, history of the comic books um, leading up to the film coming out um, just because I wanted to get some historical context and, and compare, you know, the storyline in the movie to mm-hmm. the, to the story, the, the different storylines, obviously um, mm-hmm. in the comic book. Um, and then I did get into Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, you know, writing of Black Panther, Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I worked with um, Chris Priest, who uh, wrote a legendary series on Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And so. So, yeah. Um, yeah. OK. So, like you mentioned, the the history of the character, the Black Panther, for the longest time, had a history of being written by white writers for for white readers. And that that really changed over the last two decades with people like Christopher Priest and Reggie Hudland and uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, but can you can you talk about the significance of the film specifically being made by um, by black artists for a, for a black audience? Yeah, one of the things that I like to talk about in my work is kind of the econ- economics of comics and media, because not mm-hmm. only do we have a a problem with lack of representation um, in, in, in the theaters, um, when there's lack of representation, that also means that people of color are not getting jobs or they're not being paid to do the work that they love to do at the same rate that their white counterparts are. So the right. beautiful thing about the film Black Panther is you see just 
just at a basic level, a lot of black people were employed, right, to do the thing they love to do, which mm-hmm. is act, write, direct, and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, the, my work on representation in general is also a comment on the economics behind it. And when when certain groups of people are not being hired or not getting work, um, that, that's an economic impact. So, yeah, I love the fact that, you know, obviously Ryan Coogler, um, you know, kind of led the storyline. Obviously he had writers and help and all of that, but um, all of the actors, all of just, even the representation of um, different shades of black people, right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the film and, and even the representation of gender presentation where, you know, it's not often that we see a black female who's bald. Mm-hmm. Right. But that that's mm-hmm. beautiful in the film. Right. Um, and so the, the more we can see these varied representations of different types of people, the more they become normalized. And it's not like a big deal. Right. To have different forms of beauty represented um, in theaters. Right. I, I think mm-hmm. it's I think one of the things that I took away from it, because I read another an, another book recently that mentioned the Black Panther um, and is a book on teamwork. But essentially that how how filmmaking is very much uh, like a team sport. Like, you know, there's there's so many different contributors. But one of the things that like going away, for, you know, like when the film was released, what everybody got, um, you know, accolades that was it made so much money and all this stuff. But like when people started being nominated for awards, um, you know, uh, Ruth Carter won an Oscar for costume design and Hannah Beachler mm-hmm. won an Oscar for uh, production design. And you had you had the entire like Black Panther community like rally around these people and and celebrate them. Um, and and especially um, I, I feel like especially like leadership like Ryan, Ryan Coogler, who was kind of at the head of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that reflects kind of I really think it reflects the way that that women were um, were were portrayed in the film. Like they're like an equal part of, of the equation. Um, right. And like yeah. in reading the book again, I was reminded that um, the Dora Milaje means the adored ones and that, that it was, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a really big, important thing that, um, you know, that, that women were, were not only just treated this way in the film, but they also gained recognition for the work they did on the film. Right. Right. And there's there's a couple of chapters in the book, Why Wakanda Matters, that talks about this solidarity um, between women in the film and, you know, what that meant and, you know, how it felt to people. Um, and, and also, yes, I do want to give a shout out to Philip Boutte Jr., who wrote the foreword for the book, who's actually the um, costume concept artist for the film Black Panther. Um, so if you get the book, Why Wakanda Matters, make sure you read that foreword. It's a pretty... Um, awesome forward by an awesome guy who's directly related, you know, to the film black Panther. Yeah. I, I gotta say that was a great forward. Like just reading that mm-hmm. I was just, I like, I was moved because it was just being able to see it from his perspective and, yeah. and his own journey and everything like that. Like it was just very moving. I, I really loved reading that. So it, it was, it's probably one of the best four words I've ever read in my oh, life. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. It was, Oh my gosh, it was so moving. I loved it. So, so I'm going to say my favorite book uh, because I'm a teacher, my favorite chapter of the book, because I'm a teacher is chapter 12 and it's about identity. And it's also about teaching through the film. Um, I, I have a very interesting background um, because I like, I'm a white person from Texas, mostly Christian upbringing. I was raised in a, 
a Hispanic family. My dad is from Mexico. And then I grew up in an area where um, we had uh, a black rodeo arena, like in, in my town, like mo- a lot of my friends who were African-American were also like, they rode horses and stuff like that. So I think, I think a person's, you know, experience creates a, 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 an outlook for them. And I, I really liked this chapter because I think it's important that, um, that you can, uh, you can separate between identifying as and identifying with like, you don't need to be a black person to understand or to, to be able to, to, to recognize someone you in the, in the story. Um, and I think that in, in the book it's covered, uh, Evan Jones covers this in the book and he talks about Everett Ross as a character and how, um, this, that Wakanda is revealed to Everett Ross the same way that is revealed to the audience where it kind of outsiders and we kind of like grow mm-hmm. into the story. Um, and I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think I, my question is, okay, so I'm going to get to the point now. Uh, what do, there's, <laughs> do you think that there's a, a role that stories like this have for exposing like the uninitiated to African culture or to the black experience or, or black excellence? And, and do you see that playing like a, a larger role, mass, mass appeal media playing a larger role in, in like combating hate? Yeah. You know, I'm curious as to what white people take away from the movie. Right. Because I know my conversations with black people are are around identity, are around the the difference in representation between black Americans in the film and Africans. Right. There's a distinction in there. Um, And that's why I really appreciate this book, too, because it's not all praise for Mm -hmm. the film. There's some critique and real criticism of the film and the representation, particularly of black Americans um, Mm -hmm. in the film. And so to your question, um, I'm curious as to what white people take away from 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 my circle. I can tell you, I can tell you by and large for the most part of my circle, a lot of, a lot of people loved it. The people that I knew that didn't love it are people that I know live in an area, like live in areas of our country untouched by like, uh, like, you know, where there's not a lot, there's not a, a high concentration of, of black people. So they don't, right. they don't see that everybody. I mean, uh, I, I, I taught at Booker T Washington junior high school for 13 years. So like, I see like, these are things that <laughs> matter to me because I, these are my children. These are the kids that I see every right. day. Um, but I mean, I got, I got the whole, I got the, across my like circle of friends, Facebook feed. I got the whole gamut because I have a, I have a friend who is from Nigeria who, you know, love the film and would post a lot of things about the film, saw it probably 10 times. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times his opinion was that Killmonger was right. And, <laughs> uh, but he, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's coming from his experience. The people that I know that didn't like the yeah. film, I think honest to goodness, they were probably threatened by what Killmonger is saying. Exactly. It's, a, exactly. it's, mm-hmm. it's a little too real for them to, exactly. to, to, for a black person to like make those kind of threats. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and um, in the in the in the research study that I was telling you that I did with um, some young people on, on you know, there is like the uses and gratifications of the film Black Panther. Basically, why do you keep going back to see the movie and what does it mean to you? Um, and it was a lot of discussion around Killmonger. Right. Uh, and and mm-hmm. most people said, you know, most people, most of African-Americans in the study said I completely agreed with Killmonger. He's right to be angry. He's right to be upset. He's right to want to free black people from oppression. But of course they don't agree with his methods, right? Um, right. Because his methods are basically toxic masculinity, but then it always goes back to the question, you know, how far is a peaceful protest going right. to go? So, um, mm-hmm. and those were the types of 
questions. Those are the types of conversations I wanted to have as a result of the book, these deeper conversations, um, particularly with the African-American community and then connecting that to mental health. Okay, so what can we learn about mental health from the film? And I think the book does a really good job of covering that. You know, what can we learn about mental health and psychology through the film? Um, Because there's an array of just um, mental health practitioners who wrote chapters in the book and who are breaking it down. Like, you know, this is racial identity development. This is what it looks like through through Killmonger. This is what racial identity looks like through T'Challa. This is how they can end up at these places based on their life experiences. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I wanted the book to speak in a tone that everybody could understand the chapters and it wasn't too academic, but they all also were getting a dose of some real um, mental health conversations and models and ways to heal. And one of my favorite chapters is the chapter vibranium healing, which um, talks about like self-care. What can you do as a result of racial trauma, the racial trauma that you are absolutely going to experience as a person in of color in this country is, is just unavoidable here are some things that you can do. That's one of my favorite chapters. So she just, she doesn't just say, Hey, you're going to experience racial trauma and deal with it. It says, yeah, you're going to experience, experience racial trauma. Some of it may look like what Killmonger experienced, but here are some, some positive ways um, that, that, that you can heal yourself. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's interesting to remember too, that Killmonger's response to, or, you know, his, his plan for action is, is a very American thing. You know what I mean? Like, like and during it's very it's very american to escalate conflict to violence um and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what made him different from being wakandan and i i don't know i think i think more people can look at it and see themselves in that re- regardless of um of their 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 race that, that he's not just he's not just a, a black character he's still an american character and right. he has right. a very American response to, mm-hmm. to, you know, like I'm, I'm just be honest, like let's blow shit up right. because, right. <laughs> because, because <laughs> we're unhappy with the way things are going. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I, um, so, you know, in talking about black Panther and T'Challa, so, you know, obviously last year we lost uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And we wanted to just kind of ask you a little bit about, um, you know, it, it's hard to separate, you know, Chadwick from the role because mm-hmm. he just did a fantastic job, at, you know, as an actor. But then, like, you know, I know when he passed away, I, that was the first time I found out that, you know, he had cancer and like all the things that he was doing. So, right. like, he was just a, generally like a great person. So he embodied yeah. that spirit of the child, you know? And so, um, I, I think we want to ask you, what, what do you think about his legacy that's going to continue to grow? Um, and how is the movie going to be able to have that same sort of impact without having Chadwick in that role now? Yeah. And one of the, so this book was, was, uh, got really tough to complete because I mean, everything was happening when I was putting this book together in 2020, Chadwick right. passed away, right. As I was like, we were finishing up the book. So I had to go back and kind of rewrite the, in my, the introduction. We had to go back through all the chapters and just make sure that, you know, we were being sensitive to his passing and, mm-hmm. um, and then George Floyd happened and, uh, and just right. a bunch of stuff. So, you know, when the publisher said, Oh, you know, I think, we, you know, you should go back and kind of rewrite the introduction. Cause you know, you want to address these things. 
I was like, I don't think I can do it. Like it was just so mentally drained. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How can I forget right. about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was just so mentally draining, but um, we, we did go back and, you know, uh, added a memory page chat with Bozeman. And um, mm-hmm. I made my comments on just everything that was happening as I was putting the book together and uh, yeah, it was just to have him pass away, but also to have him be like Black Panther and he's, you know, he's what everybody's going to associate with Black Panther was kind of mm-hmm. like, man, it was kind of like a nail in the coffin type situation where it's like, and you had to take our Black Panther, like, you know, right, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so definitely really sad, definitely really shocking, um, you know, of course, to the public because we didn't know he was even sick, right? It's right. like you're doing all these things and making all these box office hits while you're dealing with a, you know, terminal illness. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at his story, I think that is kind of inspirational. It kind of makes you feel like nobody has an excuse, right? Like, no, right. <laughs> if you want to do something, <laughs> do it, right? Um, yeah. And you know, I th- think it just, yeah, his legacy just kind of lives on in all of his work, particularly Black Panther. And I think they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with Black Panther 2, the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think they had put something out before where it's like, we're not replacing mm-hmm. him kind of thing. Like, we're not replacing him. Um, right. So, you know, what what is that going to look like? Who is it going to be? Who's going to take on the, the mantle? I, it's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways you can go with it. Um, but you also have to make sure that the public is going to be receptive to it. And want to you know go to the theater to see what what they do with the next version right. of the film. Which that's going to be, I guess, the, the tricky part. Right. Yeah. It's I and I I gotta say it's it's um it's I know it's just it's very disheartening for me because I I know that you know like I said Black Panther meant so much to so many people and and like you know even me and, and my son you know I I you know we went on vacation a couple of weeks ago we were at the beach and it was just really funny like he was trying to tackle on the the waves and like right before the wave would crash he would like do the arms cross and say Wakanda yeah. forever you know yeah yeah and and I, I got to say like it, it was just great to see that because uh, you know I I think that just kind of symbolizes how now you know I don't want to say now necessarily, but like we're, we're now getting to a place where superheroes can, you know, everyone can identify with a superhero Mm -hmm. uh, on, on some level. Right. And I think um, with Chadwick Boseman, you know, passing away, I think it was just, and and how much, you know, the movie and how much he meant to people, it's just going to be very difficult to see like how this moves forward. And I I hope that, you know, it continues to have the impact it does. And and I think it just, it's definitely difficult to do that when, when the person embodies the character, you Mm -hmm. know, has passed away, but I'm, I'm hoping um, that, you know, they, they do a good job with that. Right. Um, But I mean, with that being said, um, I know we also want to ask you if you know of any other, um, you know, with your background, there's any other superheroes of color that you think is ready for film adaptation that you would like to see um, happen that, you know, that would possibly have the same kind of impact as Black Panther or on some different level. But is there any superheroes of color that you think would be great at, and ready for a film adaptation now? So I know I'd like to see get a film adaptation yeah. um, and that would be uh, uh, Nubia from Wonder Woman who. Right actually they're, they're trying to like do some things with with nubia now um you see like her she has the graphic novel either is out or coming out over at dc mm-hmm. and you know she's a character character 
that didn't get a lot of play historically. She pops up here and there. Right. Um, she has obviously a couple different storylines because that's just how the comics work. But mm-hmm. she's Wonder Woman's sister. She's Diana's sister. Right. Um, and I think just now would be a great time to see her get more play and to see her get her own movie because I think there's a lot of great things you can do with her character, particularly in this time period that we're in. I feel like with these things, timing is everything Mm -hmm. and you can't, you can, but it's kind of like being opportunistic. Um, When, when is a great time to bring certain characters back where I guess the industry and the cultural gatekeepers um, can see the value in it. Unfortunately, Mm-hmm. Um, I think now would be a great time to see a black female superhero get her own film. And I think that Nubia would be great for it. Well, right. We already had the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. You, you yeah. think about <laughs> you think, like, and that did well. you think about things like <laughs> when tragedy strikes sometime and there's something re- there's something related to that, in, like in a film that's about to be released and they like they scratch the film. I, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, right. in, in the right. year 2001, when September 11th happened right before September 11th happened, there was a Spider-Man trailer with, um, that, that featured him chasing down a, a group of criminals flying through the city. And he spun a web between the twin towers and caught the, the helicopter in the web. And, and then mm-hmm. it, it, they couldn't, couldn't that. use it, couldn't use it. <laughs> right. But like with, exactly. with, with where we are as a society, as a society where, where, um, we are beginning to, uh, you know, it's still a fight with a lot of people to embrace different cultures and different ways of life. But where we are going, we got to mm-hmm. keep the snowball building, keep the momentum exactly. rolling right. and and find ways to introduce um, and introduce these uh, characters. I think Marvel, I think Marvel specifically does a really good job with this. My, my son was commenting last night about how um, they swapped the gender of the the flag smasher in um, in mm-hmm. the the Falcon and winter soldier. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm crossing my fingers that, that, that Falcon gets to be captain America because mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> uh, you know, the, and it's, and that's the main theme of the, of the, of the, of the show is, uh, is America ready for that? And they, even in the show, they touched on a conversation. Um, and it was a big part of, I guess the second episode about where like, Hey, aren't you black Falcon? And, um, he's like, no, I'm just Falcon. But like those those conversations, mm-hmm. I had that conversation with my son when when Captain America came out, and a few years ago, he was he was like four or five at the time. He's twelve now, and wow, goes fast. Yeah, but when the when the mm-hmm. comic came out, I was super excited because I've always loved uh, the character of Sam Wilson, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And in media at the time, he was Black Captain America. He was Black Captain America, right. and um, we we had a discussion like we just call him Captain America. We just yeah. call him Captain America in this house. And yeah. that's, right. I think that's something that is important to do, but I feel like that's, that's, that is, those are the conversations we need to have. And we need to keep those, the right. snowball building. We need to keep the momentum. And like, my son's like, man, I really hope, uh, what's the, the there's a character on Captain America who will eventually become the Falcon. And he's a Hispanic, uh, character. Mm. And my son's like, man, I really mm. hope that they let him be the Falcon too, because like, we gotta, we gotta like yeah, keep, keep it going. going. Yeah, I agree. Keep yeah. gotta you know, let's keep the pressure on, right? Because we can easily backtrack. We see it all the time. 
Um, so keep keep the pressure on. Keep these stories mm-hmm. coming out. Keep telling new stories with new diverse characters. Um, that's why I'm like the next thing I want to see is a black female superhero with her own movie. Right. Um, and you know, we, I don't want I don't want I don't want that to feel like that's radical. Right. You know, that's right. You have to normalize this stuff, and the only way to do that is to just do it. Right. And yeah. So I, I hope hopefully this this snowball in media continues. Um, to go in that direction. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I gotta say, I think, you know, you're both on spot on in, in terms of trying to keep that momentum going because I mean, there is going to be, you know, pushback on anything that does that. Right. Like, especially I remember reading just a few weeks ago, how they're talking about, um, DC looking into, um, having a, a black Superman and how people. Were, oh yeah. I saw that. Right. It's not going to go well for the public. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, what's, what's, what's interesting is one, they were suggesting Michael B. Jordan, which I'm like, I think he would do a fantastic job Mm -hmm. as Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, But like when I see these arguments saying like, you know, Superman has always been white. I'm just like, well, let's back up and let's talk about how the fact that Superman is an alien to begin with, like, like an extraterrestrial alien. So you can make him purple if you want to be like, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, but I mean, I think that's just, how is this going to be? For the longest time, I think it's, you know, part of it is just the, the history of um, institutional racism that we've just had. And like, it's just going to be um, a long journey just to kind of, you know, break those chains, you know, right. unfortunately. It's the, myths that, it's the myths that we tell ourselves and the myths that um, the people in charge tell us, you know, oh, right. a black superhero is not going to sell. A female superhero is not going to sell. Oh, right. it might sell domestically, but it's not going to sell internationally. Like all of those myths have been perpetuated by the people in charge and right. they've been squashed and shattered. And so now we know it's not true. And now you can't sell that myth anymore. So, right. you know. Yeah. 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 I know. It, it's, it's it's frustrating. It's, it is. It's, it's what's ingrained <laughs> in people to... Um, to expect like you, you, you can't, you can't mess with, you can't mess with Superman, right? Like you, like you said, um, Sean, like Superman, Superman's white. Um, pe- people will get over it. They said the same thing. They said right. the same thing about the president a few years ago and look how that turned out. <laughs> right. So right. They'll, they'll get over it. Yep. Um, my, my, my son in all of his, uh, his nuance though, made a point yesterday about when we were talking about the gender swapping of this character, he said, like I don't, I don't mind that, but I think also like there are a lot of great characters uh, out there that need to be explored too. So like I'll yeah, play, right. I'll play devil's advocate and be like, there's, there's so many, but you know, like mm-hmm. I, as much as I want to see Michael B. Jordan in uh in the super suit, like there are there are a great uh, there are other great characters, other black comic book characters yeah. that we can we can dive into. We're already black. Yeah, well, We're exactly, black exactly. Character. Right. We can get written or drawn as much into the storylines that there's so many. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So, all right, Dr. Howard, before we let you go, cause we've really enjoyed this, this conversation, but we know that mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, a toddler running around your house. That's going to need your attention soon. Uh, <laughs> before we let you go, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you and your work on the web? Yes. My favorite uh, channel is Twitter. So I'm at Dr. Sheena Howard on Twitter. That's Dr. Sheena Howard on Twitter. Find me over there. Um, And then all of my other socials are pretty much the same. I am on Instagram, Facebook. I have a Facebook fan page, Dr. Sheena Howard. My website is SheenaCHoward.com. And yeah. All right. Thank you so much. And this, this has been great. Thank you. 
Uh, and that wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed uh, listening. We thank Dr. Howard for joining us. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out and tag us in your post. For more info about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit podpage.com slash The Caption Life. Until next time. Wakanda forever.